Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. And apologies for no U.S. Open rap podcast last week. Been a little bit busy. My wife and I introduced our first kiddo to the world in early June and uh, the week before the U.S. Open. Good timing, I know. And so uh, it's been a little bit busy coming back, obviously, from Pebble Beach. It was a busy week there. It was a really fun week. We had a, a, a great a great championship the, the crew at Fox did, and I feel like the USGA had a great one, and everybody really, really enjoyed watching Pebble and everything that comes with it. And I, I came home, and I've been on, uh, on daddy duty basically for the last week and, uh, and getting set for what is coming uh, this week, the U.S. Senior Open. It's at the Warren Course at, uh, at Notre Dame. It's going to be a great, great championship. We get going on Wednesday, noon to 1. We have a preview show on FS1, and then we rock and roll Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, commercial-free, no commercials, all four days of the championship. So if you want to see a whole bunch of golf shots and you want to see a lot, a lot of players, tune in. It should be a lot of fun. Curtis Strange will be up in the booth with me. Brad Fax will be doing some holes. And, uh, and yeah, we rock and roll uh, starting, as I said, Wednesday and then into Thursday in the championship. This podcast, as all Clubhouse podcasts, brought to you by Titleist and the new Pro V1 and Pro V1X. They've been redesigned for more speed, more precision, and more consistency than ever before. Compare the two. Pro V1 has a softer feel, lower flight than the Pro V1X. Pro V1X has a higher flight with more spin and a firmer feel. That's the golf ball I love to play. Both models now available in yellow. I've had a few people hit me up on social media that said they've, they've listened to the podcast or they've seen me kind of promote it somewhere, and they switched. They grabbed a sleeve of the yellow Pro V1s or Pro V1Xs, and they will not go back. It's my favorite thing. I played golf over the weekend. I know I just mentioned I had a kid. I snuck away for 18 holes. Don't tell anybody. And I had the yellow Pro V1X in the group. I don't even have to mark the thing. I don't even have to put dots on it. I don't have to pull my Sharpie out. It's hot in Arizona right now. That Sharpie bleeds a whole bunch. I don't have to. I know which golf ball's mine because I'm playing the yellow Pro V1X as you should. Prove how good you can be. Tee up the new Pro V1 or Pro V1X on your next round of golf. Scott McCarron here this week to kind of talk a little bit about the PGA Tour and the transition into the champions and, and how, it's, how it's gone for him both positively and maybe differently than he expected it would be over the last three years as he's really become one of the dominant figures on the PGA Tour champions. And then we previewed a little bit about the Senior Open and just talked about what needs to change for him. He's never had a great track record at U.S. Opens and U.S. Senior Opens, and he talked a little bit about that and what he hopes will be different this week at the Warren Course. We'll be at Notre Dame. We're excited to get there. As I mentioned, we've had a great season so far. The Women's Open was awesome. Of course, U.S. Open was great at Pebble, and now we rock and roll into the senior and then into a whole bunch of the amateur events. So I hope you're paying attention and tuning in. As I said, Wednesday, preview show. Thursday, we get going. Let's get to Scott. And we welcome into the clubhouse Scott McCarron, who is having one heck of a year. Three wins already, including one a couple of weeks ago in Japan. Scott, is, is that is that uh, two continents uh, with wins in 2019? Are you going to try to rack up a few more? What's the deal here? <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, we've been on a pretty good roll. Um, just been having a lot of fun out here, putting myself in position with nine holes to go, and that's you know kind of our goal. And I've been able to come through uh, three times with three wins here in the last seven weeks, so playing some good golf and uh, having a lot of fun. Well, something I wanted to just kind of start with that I've always found very, very interesting, and, and I just, I would like for someone like you to explain it to me. You know, we we focus so much on the PGA Tour as players make their way through their careers, and, and you know, you kind of competed against guys like Greg Norman and Paul Azinger and, and the Curtis Stranges of the world, and then they turn 50, and they don't have careers or great careers on the PGA Tour champions. And then there's guys like you who had solid PGA Tour careers 
they turn 50 and it's like something clicks and the in the in the career takes off you know 50 and beyond what do you feel like is the number one factor for the success on the PJ Tour champions for for somebody like you who has obviously embraced this and has done so well with it over the last three years of your career? You know, that's a great question, Shane. I, I think maybe a little bit of it would be hunger, meaning I'm hungry. I, I, I want to win. I want to win majors. I want to win as much as I can. I want to make as much money as I can in the next 10, 12 years so that I can retire and, and do something else. Um, I think some of those guys come out here that uh, had great careers and made a bunch of money, a lot of other businesses, a lot of other things going on, might not be as hungry to you know put all the work in that you need to do every single week. Um, I know Bernard Langer's hungry. He works his butt <laughs> off. Uh, Miguel Amado Jimenez is hungry. Um, Jerry Kelly, you know, these guys are hungry. And I think that's what kind of separates a little bit the guys that are doing really well out here in the PGA Tour Champions and the guys that uh, come out and have already had great careers and have already done it and just want to come out here and have a good time. Yeah, one thing I, I've noticed, and I feel like this also has to be a factor, and, and, and you're a guy that's always been very committed to fitness, is I feel like the guys that have continued to really keep themselves in great shape, you can tell when they turn 50 and move on to the champions, it seems like those two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Well, they do. And the guy, it's kind of funny. The same guys that were working out, you know, when I was on tour 20 years ago, um, are the same guys that are working out now. I mean, there was only a handful of us that were in the fitness trailers working out all the time. And it's the same guys are in the fitness trailer now. And they're trying to prolong their careers, um, have less injuries, be able to keep up hitting the ball far with distance. And that's one of the things I think is key. If you can still hit the ball far um, on the PGA Tour Champions, you can compete into your 60s. It, it's the guys that don't hit it far, never did hit it far, They'll have a good three or four years, but then they have a tougher time competing because they're losing distance. And then the new young guys, we say young at 50-51, are coming on this tour, and they're hitting it far. So I think if you can have some length, um, you can have a you know fairly extended career out in the PGA Tour Champions up until you're 62, 63, 64. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. And, and listen, I know none of us like to talk about our mortality and, and, and how long we have on this earth, but I do – I talked to Steve Flesh about this when he was 48 years old. I remember we were sitting, we were doing Norman's event uh, down in Florida, and he was talking about how he was going to get back into it. You know, he was going to play in some web events, and he's been kind of grinding on the practice uh, green. He'd been hitting a little bit more range balls, and he was getting ready for 50. And, you know, when you look at a lot of players over the years on the Champions Tour, it is one of those things where you might have, and, and you've mentioned 10, 11, 12 years, which is possible for sure, but you do see a lot of the successes coming from guys that are 52, 53, 54, 55. And you mentioned it when you started. It's like, I'm going to go out and get it now when I can. And for you, I mean, you are doing so well as you've gotten older. I mean, it se- you, I even saw you or read a quote you said where it seems like this year you felt more and more comfortable out there. Do you, do you, in a weird way, do you look at the calendar? Do you look at the clock and go, all right, three wins. I'm 53 now. I got you know I can get my get a couple more majors, all that stuff. Or are you just trying to do it as long as you can? Well, you know that, it's interesting. When I first came out here, uh, before I even turned 50, guys say, "Hey, come out ready. Go play the you know web.com or the new Corn Ferry Tour uh, as nice, much as you can." Nice, by the way. I'm very I'm, get, I'm impressed yeah, right now. A little plug in for today. <laughs> uh, 
play as much as you can and be ready because, you know, you might only have two or three year window to make all your money. Um, and when I got out here, I thought, you know, that's probably correct. I, I, I better get out here and I better win. I better do as much as I can the next two, three, four years. But now having said that, I feel very comfortable. And if I stay in shape, you know, injury free, that's the other thing we get older, you know, you're going to get injuries as we get older. Um, if I can stay injury free and stay in shape, I feel I can be competitive until I'm in the sixties. I mean, look at what Bernard Langer's doing. I mean, that guy is kind of our benchmark for when we look at what can we do and what's humanly possible. The guy's playing some great golf still in his sixties, 61, almost 62. So I think if you can stay in shape, you can have a longer career, but for a lot of guys, yeah, you better get it, get it done in the first three or four years because more younger guys are coming out, you know, to come out here and compete. And they're, these guys are good. I mean, we got Phil Mickelson can be out here, you know, uh, in a little bit. Tiger Woods could be out here in a little bit. Ernie Els is coming out. So we've got some good players coming out here on the PGA Tour champions. And I hope that all these guys will embrace the tour and come out and play because it's a lot of fun. And I'll never forget two years ago, I did an outing with Jack Nicholas. Um, at Lost Tree, and we had dinner over at their house, and he, I had just won the Allianz tournament uh, the week before, and he pulled me aside and he says, hey, I just want you to know I have one regret. I wish I would have played more in the PGA Tour Champions. I loved it. I had so much fun, but I wish I would have played more because once it's over, it's over. And that's it. I mean, that that's such a great point is – you know, the, the whole, you know, best mulligan, you know, the Lee Trevino quote, you know, it's it's the greatest mulligan in golf as you turn 50. But there's not a 65 or 70-year-old tour, so this is it, as you mentioned. I mean, when you get going, when you turned 50 and you made the switch, did it was it more competitive? Was it more serious? Was it what you thought it would be? What do you feel like, as you look back three years ago, what do you feel like the PGA Tour Champions has been for you in the sense of uh, of competition compared to maybe what you thought it would be, and and I know you, I know you'd spend some time and still had some friends out there, but just being between the ropes, was it was it equal to more than or less than what you thought it might be? You know, it's interesting. I got a lot of advice, and I was seeking advice before I got out there. And everybody said, "Oh, you're going to love it." You know, guys don't really practice much, and guys go have a beer after <laughs> the round, and you know, it's very very easy going, and you know, you're going to have a good time. Well, I got out here, and these guys were practicing harder than they ever did on the PGA Tour. And no one was in the bar after the round. Um, these guys were working out, and these guys were going low starting on the first day on Friday and shooting 15 to 20 under in three rounds. I mean, I was shocked at how good these guys still could play um, under tough conditions. The golf courses were not short. We were playing some of the courses that I played on the PGA tour and we were playing the same distance on the PGA tour champions as we did back in my PGA tour days. So these courses were set up off the whole locations were talked um, rough, maybe not quite as high as maybe we had sometimes in the PGA tour days, but still these golf courses were playing good and these guys were going low. So I was kind of shocked at how good these guys really were. And I said, you know what, I better start really getting my game going if I want to compete out here. Now, is that a little bit of a bummer, though? I mean, not a bummer in the sense that you're going to have to keep grinding and keep going after it, but if you're sitting there going, all right, I'll have a couple of Bud Lights after the round, and I get to kind of go back to the hotel and chill, <laughs> and you get out there and you're going, wait a minute, I didn't, exp- I didn't sign up for range balls for four hours a day. Uh, you know, it's, for me, I love that. I've always been a hard worker, um, and I, I like the work. So it, that was, I was a little bit shocked at how much these guys are practicing, but that's exactly what I knew I needed to do to come out here and compete. I've always done that my whole career. So um, I was actually happy to see that uh, the guys were out there working hard and doing that because it motivates you. I mean, when I see Brent Longer in there at 
when I first came out, and he's 57, 58, out there working, working out as hard as he is, um, eating right, you know, not drinking. I mean, all these things that he's doing. He's out there on Monday after he just won at a tournament, walking the golf course. I thought, holy cow! I mean, this is the type of work you got to put in if you want to be successful. I wanted to take a quick break to let you know that hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. And ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five, four out of five, of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners, that's you, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clubhouse. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, back to Scott McCarran. Yeah, it's it's it goes back to, I mean, if you look at the LPGA Tour, obviously the PGA Tour, PJ Tour champions. If you look at all of these things, and I feel like the the players that are the most successful are the ones that are happy with success but never content with it. And and to your point, a lot of the times you'll see guys win, and the next week, you know, they're on the driving range on Monday. You're they're on the driving range on Tuesday. Even even Rory McIlroy when he won the Wells Fargo a few weeks back, you know, he goes. Somebody asked him, "Do you wish the U.S. Open started tomorrow?" And he goes, "No, I'll probably be hungover." And sure enough, he yeah. was literally at Pebble Monday morning for a practice round. I mean, it's like we can sit here and be completely happy with what we've done success-wise, but you've got to kind of go back out there because the next week is a completely new deal. I mean, the they they've shuffled the cards, and you don't know what you're going to get. And so, as you said, it's it's really about. You know, year to year, what am I going to do now? And you're having your best year of your career. What do you feel like has changed in 2019 compared to seasons past when you've obviously had success as well? Well, you know, I wouldn't say not so much has changed this year. You know, I, I've won 11 times out here with a major. So um, I finished fourth in the Schwab Cup. I finished second in the money list last two years. So I've been very competitive out here and, you know, trying to win the Schwab Cup. I had a chance with nine holes to go last year to win the Schwab Cup. Uh, but Vijay Singh played a great back nine. So um, I've been playing well. You know, people think, oh, you know, what's totally different this year? You know, not much. I mean, I've won three times in the last seven weeks, which has been great. Uh, I felt I left a couple tournaments out there, the Hogue Classic in Newport. I felt I, you know, let one go there. Um, Kirk Triplett won, and I lost the playoff by a shot. And then uh, the senior PGA, Kenny Tanagawa, beat me in the last hole with a putt from about 12 feet, which was a great putt, but I felt, you know, I left some shots out there uh, that I felt like I could have given myself a better chance to win. So even though I've won three, I feel like I should have won five, you know, <laughs> and when you win five, you feel like you should have won seven. Right. And when you do that, when you win, you want to be on there next week on Monday out there practicing, playing, getting ready. It's kind of the mindset of you can never be too content um, about winning. And one of the things out here in the PGA Tour champions, you win a tournament, it's not like I'm winning, you know, millions of dollars, you know, you're winning a couple hundred thousand and maybe 300, but you can't rest on that. You know, you got to keep going and you got to win as much as you can um, out here. So, you know, I'm working hard. I'm trying to 
win as much as I can, and, and I want to win this Schwab Cup at the end of the year. That's That was my goal, and that's been my goal in the last three years. Just Bernard Longer's had a little bit of a stranglehold on it. He's had a stranglehold on everything. That guy, I'm, I'm telling you, he's not a human. He's just an he's, He just is a golfing machine built to play golf. I, I'm convinced of that until somebody tells me otherwise. You mentioned Tanagawa. So the w- rumor is his nickname is The Assassin. Rumor is that he just you do not want to play the guy for money. Is is that is that a, is that a fact? That's what I've heard. That is a fact. At Whisper Rock, he is the assassin, and you know he he is been a great player. We played college golf together. He was two years younger than I was, and Kenny T was always one of the greatest guys I've ever been around, and a great player. Played in Japan, and then tried to play a little bit on the web. You know, never had much success. But we knew if he got out here, he was going to do well because he still hits the ball a long ways. He's got a great short game. Um, he just had to learn how to, you know, really be competitive again and be comfortable in that situation. And it didn't take him long once he got out here. And uh, we, uh, Kenny T and I play every Tuesday. We have a little game. Grant Job and I, who went to UCLA together, we were roommates and fraternity brothers, take on all comers. So we're usually playing against Kenny T and Glenn Day or Kent Jones and I'll tell you what, the assassin uh, might get a lot of money at Whisper Rock in Arizona, but he pays out a lot oh, on the nice. Tour champion. There so you just go. Put that out there on the airway. Oh, yeah. take the assassin on. I'm not. I'm not touching him. I'm not driving 30 minutes north to play the guy at Whisper Rock. I've heard too many rumors about uh, about hopefully your billfold is double the size when you show up because they're not going to leave that way. But uh, so, all right. So, what's your game? Let, let's hear the game. I mean, it, you're out there. You're battling. You're you're throwing a couple of schmecks either way. What what do you guys play yeah. on Tuesday? Yeah, we, we basically we just play uh, all comers, just uh, twenty three ways, auto two downs, and uh, Brant and I take them on best ball. That's pretty much how it goes. And I, I can tell you right now, Brant and I have not lost this year, and I think we only lost once last year. So we we've gotten into their pockets pretty good over the last couple of years. Uh, and it's I tell you what, we have so much fun playing, and, and just the the ribbing going back and forth. Uh, all day long. Glenn Day is just absolutely hilarious. He's America's favorite redneck, and we just love him. Um, sometimes we have to get a translator to figure out what he's saying, but he, he is just one of the funniest guys ever been around. It's like Waterboy. You're like watching the Adam Stanley movie. Like, what? Are they, what was that exact phrase? I'm not totally completely sure what happened. I know you've told this story plenty of times, uh, but I just I really enjoy it, and I think it's super cool. Take me back to when you were having kind of putting yips. And you basically built your own long putter, which is still to me kind of kind of mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, that it is a funny story, but that story really got me back into golf. Um, I wasn't putting well uh, in the college, and I kind of quit. I started putting left-handed, which I could putt left-handed really well, but I always had a tough time lining up putting left-handed. Um, and so I really just quit golf for about three years. Didn't play hardly at all, and it happened to be a Champions Tour event at my home course uh, in Sacramento, Rancho Marietta, called the Rayleigh Senior Gold Rush. And I saw like five or six of these guys uh, putting with a long putter. And I'd never, you know, I'd kind of been out of golf a little bit. I'd never really seen a long putter or seen anybody putt with it. And so I just stood in the practice green watching these guys putt with a long putter. And I said, hey, that looks, that looks pretty good. I'm going to go see if I can make one. So that night I went home. Um, I think I drank about six Sierra Nevada Pale Ale beers <laughs> and uh, took a ping answer uh, putter, cut off the uh, top of the grip, and then I took a three-wood, an old Olimar three-wood that was an actual wood three-wood, and I snapped it over my leg, and uh, then I subbed that shaft with the grip end down the putter shaft, down the, the ping answer um, shaft, 
and it just kind of stopped because it wouldn't go any farther because the diameter of the shaft right at about 14 inches. And I'm like, oh, that feels pretty good, but it was a little light. So uh, I tried to figure out how am I going to put enough lead tape on this ping answer. So I started loading up the lead tape, but it wasn't quite enough. So I felt like I needed something else. And I lived on a golf course, so I flashlight in a golf cart out to the golf course, got some sand out of the bunker, and started uh, putting sand down the shaft of this thing to try to weight it up. Um, then I, it kind of rattled, so I had to take some bubble gum, chewed some hubble bubble bubble gum, stuck it around the shaft so it wouldn't rattle. And then all I had was Elmer's glue at the time, so I just stuck Elmer's glue in there and <laughs> glued the shaft together, and that was it. Uh, went out the next morning. Called in sick to work, so I go practice putting, and it felt good right from the get-go. And I was like, holy cow, this feels great. I think I can I can do this again. And so I started playing golf again, playing some amateur events. And then uh, I qualified for the U.S. Mid-Amateur when I was 25. It was in Hilton Head, Long Cove Country Club, and uh, lost in the quarterfinals. So, you know, I had fun. I was playing in front of people. I'm like, you know, this is really what I wanted to do all along. Let's give this a shot. And it's all because of the long putter. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, it's safe to say, you know, I love those stories because it's just one thing. Like you said, you had, let's have six beers and try to figure out a way to get around this obstacle that's in my life, in my career. Would you say, I mean, you don't have that night or you don't figure this out and it goes five, six, seven years. I mean, maybe you don't have a career in professional golf. Is that safe to say? Oh, Shane, absolutely. If, If that night does not happen, uh, I'm probably not playing professional golf. I'm probably going doing something else. I mean, really, that was a that was a tipping point for me to see that happen, to see that happen at my home course, to give it a try and to figure out a different way to putt. Um, without it, there's no question I wouldn't be where I am today. And and so then, I mean, of course, a couple of years ago, you've got now you've got a new obstacle. Now you've got to figure out a new way to do something you've been doing for what 20, 25 years. And yeah, I, and, 1991. yeah and, and you knew, I mean, we all knew the rules were coming. We all knew the rule changes were coming. Was it something, I mean, were you, were you nervous? Or were you interested in finding kind of a new way to do what was so comfortable to you in the past? I mean, how did that process go down to figure out a way I've got to figure out how I can still make putts or, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to hang them up. Yeah, no question. Uh, so when I came out in the PGA Tour Champions, I had eight events. Um, before the rule came into effect. So I turned 50 in July, had eight events. Um, I came out here with a little bit of success. I've had three top tens, but I felt like, okay, you know, I can play. Um, but then I always in the back of my mind was, okay, I've got to figure out another way to putt. So after the, uh, the eight events, um, I went and played a, uh, an event up in Pebble Beach called the Callaway Invitational um, that turned into a TaylorMade Invitational. And so that was the first event before the ban went into effect for anchoring that I putted not anchored um, without really any practice. And as I was doing it, I started getting more and more comfortable as the days were going on. I didn't play great. I didn't putt great. But I putted well enough that I thought, you know, with practice, I think I can do this. So um, that gave me confidence to go back home, and I just worked hard at it. But I tried, you know, cross-handed. I tried claw grip. I tried sad side saddle. <laughs> um, I tried counterbalance weights. I mean, I really spent two months or so trying everything and playing golf and trying to have games to put some pressure on me to figure out a way that I could putt. Um, and I went to the first event in Boca uh, that next year with a different putter that was really heavy, counterbalanced, and uh, it was really windy. And I didn't putt well um, at all. And 
So the next week I putted one round with a long putter. The second round I said, you know, screw this. I'm going to go to a short putter claw. And I putted short putter claw. And, you know, I putted okay. But I didn't putt well enough where I thought I could win with this. I thought, you know, I could get by. I could maybe finish in the top 30 or 40 on the money list and, and just kind of have a nice little curve. But I, I didn't feel like I could win with this under the gun. Um, I putted the next week in Tucson with it. And then I had like a month off. And I took that month and I really was experimenting with the long putter, not anchored. Um, I cut it. I cut my normal uh, long putter down in about an inch and a half so I get over the ball a little more. Then I had to add lead tape to make the head weight heavier just by a little bit. And then I started figuring out that if I got a little bit shorter of the putter, added that lead tape, then I could get my left arm parallel to the ground and uh, stroke it that way. And once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. But it, it was a good three, four-month process of getting comfortable. And now um, I am so happy that they banned anchoring because it's a better way to putt. It's a freer stroke. I always felt if I was anchored, my body stopped, that I couldn't get the putter through impact. But now that the putter grip or the hand is not anchored at all, if my body stops, it's still free-flowing through impact. It's a much better way to putt once you figure it out. Yeah, I saw, I saw a quote you said, even if they allowed it again, you wouldn't go back. I mean, you would just continue to oh, do God, what no, you do. Oh, no chance. Yeah, no chance. I mean, I've turned into a, a much better putter with it not anchored. Now, it's, listen, I tell everyone it's really easy to putt with a long putter not anchored. It's just not easy to putt well. And you've got to remember, <laughs> I've been using the same similar stroke since 1991. This is pretty much all I know how to do. Um, if you take a guy who's just a putts with a regular putter all his life and all of a sudden you give him a long putter and say, here, go, go play a tournament with it and don't anchor it, and not anchor, they're going to have a very difficult time putting because they haven't done it before. But because I've been doing this since 1991, it really wasn't that hard a transition once I figured out the length and the weight of the, of the putter. How many putters did you have at your house when you were going through the what the hell am I going to do phase with the putting? <laughs> Shane, I got, I have, <laughs> I, I, I could be the Hall of Fame of long putters. Um, I have hundreds of long putters uh, in my in my house, and, and I have left-handed putters. I have bass backwards putters, the thing putters. I mean, every type of putter contraption that you can possibly think of i think i have or i've tried at some point um side saddle my dad actually put it side saddle for years with an old bob duden special um and i got him he, he was a guy who was a very good player scratch player still plays shoots his age um but couldn't putt either and got the yips and that you know i'd never heard of the yips till my dad got the yips and he literally would have he couldn't play Unless uh, he had a bottle of wine or, or a vodka or something like that. And one of the head pros said, your dad was the only guy I know that when we teed off, he charged a corkage fee to play around with him. So, uh, you know, my dad, I taught him how to putt with a long putter, and he putts great with a long putter now and and has for a long time. So I'm glad he doesn't have to have a bottle of wine now before he tees off. Yeah, there's uh, a there's a there's a guy I know, his name I will not mention that uh, that won a, has had won a pretty huge event on the PGA Tour who now is is gotten into broadcasting that told me that if he plays golf now, he'll shoot 40 to 43 on the front, but he drinks six beers on the front and by the time he gets to the back he shoots about 30 31. I said, "Yeah, that, I don't know if they're <laughs> going to let you do that professionally, but uh, maybe that'll calm the old nerves. I totally understand that. That is, uh, that, that is hey, it works for some people, apparently. 
Hey, weekend golfers at works is just you got to keep that very fine line going for four hours or 18 holes. I think it's very difficult. Very difficult. So uh, last question, then I'll let you go. I, I wanted to talk about the major championships on the senior side of things. Uh, I was looking up your stats, and I mean, I know you've played really well in your career on the PJ Tour champions, but 18 major starts, 11 top seven finishes, including that win at the Players in 2017. That said, you haven't played great in the U.S. Senior Open thus far in your yeah. career. So first question is, have you played the Warren course? Do you know much about it? Have you had a chance to go out there and see it before, uh, obviously, we get going? You know, it's interesting. You bring up that stat with the uh, the senior Opens. I never really played well in the U.S. Open either. I mean, I had one top ten at Congressional years ago. Um, I made a few cuts, but I was never, like, felt like that was the tournament I could win at. Um, I was a long, you know, I hit the ball long back in the day, but I didn't hit it, you know, as accurate as I do now. So I never really it did a good job competing in us opens and it's kind of continued for some reason over the senior open, you know, they set up the golf course is tough and the whole bit. I haven't played well yet in the senior open, but I feel like my game is coming around where I'm driving a lot straighter. Uh, my short game's better. Um, you know, we just played Oak Hill in the senior PGA championship and that was set up. That golf course was set up as good as any golf course in with deep rough, hard fast green so it was more like u.s open conditions and i competed and i you know finished second had a chance to win so i feel like this year uh hopefully going forward i'll be able to compete better and in, in senior opens um i haven't played the warren course yet at notre dame i hear it's absolutely fantastic and i'm really looking forward to getting there and playing and and having fox uh broadcast it the best best broadcast company in uh, all of golf now from what i hear and i've been reading you guys nice. did such a good job last week at pebble um i was happy to uh be with you guys for two years and obviously uh, me leaving has had something to do with you guys getting better <laughs> that is not the case uh we we miss you <laughs> i i miss having you around just to have one of the one more guy to go out and play you were always down to go tee it which is uh which is nice it was like you and faxon were in we have we have added oh, yeah. brett quigley who again is another guy that is uh that is massively excited to not only turn 50 but always excited if you, uh, if you have a game or, or anything, he'll drive 45 minutes to play. I did ask Fax some questions to ask you just anything random. He said, ask him if he's ever beat me in a sport with a racket, is, uh, is Brad Faxon's question to you, Scott okay, McCarry. Brad Faxon. Yeah, Mr. I'm the best with the racket. Okay, so Faxon <laughs> arguably is one of the best ping pong players I've ever seen. Have not beat him at ping pong. Pop tennis. Um, I would say I would be pretty competitive with him. I only played him one time in pop tennis. Um, I would probably beat him at tennis. Wow. Um, racquetball, we played years ago. Um, I beat him one game. He beat me two games, but it was pretty darn close. Um, and it was so close that afterwards there were some stairs leading out of the racquetball courts. Um, <laughs> neither of us could, had to crawl up. I mean, this was, <laughs> this was blood, sweat, and tears out in the racquetball court. I wanted to beat him so bad, but nope, he got me. The guy is pretty good with a racket, and uh, – uh, I look forward to at some point uh, playing him in maybe some tennis or something like that. I I would say tennis back in my day I could have beat him. I, I I made the JV team at UCLA playing tennis. I was pretty good tennis player, but ping pong no chance. Racquetball we'd be close and pop tennis now he plays all the time so he's better than me at that. Last question: What is it like, can, even considering uh, your ability to stay in great shape at 53, being the second best athlete in the family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I am the second best. I got my wife, Jenny, the triathlete. 
uh, golfer, seven handicap. You know, she's a great shot. She can do it all. She's now gotten, got into horses. She's horse jumping now. We now have a horse, Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt. And uh, You're going to have to keep playing uh, to keep up with that sport. I know. I so uh, you know she she's an amazing woman. Uh, she keeps me in shape. She keeps me young. I'm chasing her around all the time. Um, we have so much fun. She's a good wake surfer, and uh, no question, I'm the second best athlete in uh, our household. Well, Scott, I appreciate it. Uh, good luck, obviously, at the U.S. Senior Open. We're pumped to uh, to be there. Uh, I know you mentioned the golf course, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I've heard from everything I've read and seen. Um, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable place. And I've, I've had a few messages on social media from people that say it's in like as good a condition as they can remember it being. So, uh, it should be a great week and, and we're excited to, to cover it and excited to see you out there playing. Shane, thanks. I look forward to seeing you and, uh, buddy, you're doing a great job, uh, with the Fox broadcast, all the things you're doing. It's uh, fun seeing you just blossom, uh, becoming one of the best broadcasters in the sport. Thanks, man. <clears throat> It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. A big thanks to Scott for jumping on. Uh, make sure you check us out on Wednesday for the preview show and into Thursday through Sunday for the championship. It'll be on FS1 and Fox. A big thanks to ZipRecruiter and, of course, Titleist and the Pro V1 and Pro V1X. Hope you guys have a great week and a great weekend. Watch some golf. We'll be there. We're excited about it, and we'll be back next week. Next week.